Hello, my name is Chloe Noller on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Today I'm here with Jerome Smith, the author of a book called Underserved that he wrote with Chris Pilkerton. It's about harnessing the principles of Lincoln's vision for reconstruction for today's forgotten communities. Mr. Smith, thank you so much for coming on today. No, thanks for having me. Would you give us a little bit of a background of why you wrote this book? Sure. So I'm from an underserved community, um, and the book Underserved, Harnessing Lincoln's Vision for Reconstruction for for Today's Forgotten Communities is really um, my effort to help um, communities like the one I grew up in. Um, When I went to Howard University um, almost uh, 20 years ago uh, to go to college, um, I set out uh, hoping to develop uh, infrastructure for opportunity that would help more people like the community I came from um, get a chance at the American dream. Um, and as a result um, of me coming up here and having an opportunity to serve in Congress, as well as the White House, um, my experience and how close we can get to everyone having that opportunity um, um, became even more relevant because I, I saw that it is possible. Um, if you just have the intention of trying to do the right thing. And so that's that's the background on the book. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's been a blessing to do it. Can you give us a little background? Where did you grow up and how has that affected your future? Sure. So I, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, um, uh, inner city of Cleveland, Ohio. I lived on the east side of Cleveland. Um, my father uh, was a blue-collar worker and he uh, invested in my education, and he sent me to a Catholic school. Um, and I was maybe the only one in my neighborhood that went to a private school. Um, but the Catholic school uh, focused on uh, low-income families. Um, and, you know, you even had, like, reduced lunch programs and all of that. Um, but the unique part of my uh, Catholic school, which is in downtown Cleveland, was it was very diverse. And so um, a third of my class was... Um, black and white. Um, another third was all Puerto Rican, and the, the last third was all Chinese um, immigrants. Um, and so I got to really kind of learn about different people um, and different communities, um, but us all coming from underserved backgrounds. Um, and so when I got older um, and uh, got opportunity to go to college, you know, um, I really wanted to do something to create impact. And so I became a finance major to work on, on financial services issues. Um, and I ended up doing those type of regulatory reform issues in the House and the Senate. Um, and so when I got recruited to work in the White House, um, I also worked on education um, as well as um, issues like crime and public safety. And uh, my strategy has been to take a holistic approach towards revitalizing underserved by looking at all of the different dynamics that hold people back. And so um, that's that's what led me to kind of write the book. You know, I had a partner who wrote the book with me, Chris Pilkerton, um, and we met each other in the White House um, with a similar kind of, you know, North Star of happen- helping to empower communities um, through our work as service in federal government. How did your college experience help you solidify what you wanted to do? You mentioned you really want to make an impact do you feel like your college experience was helpful in that area? Oh, certainly. Um, mostly because I took advantage of the college experience by meeting new people, um, getting to know 
myself and being curious enough to um, look at different opportunities. You know, I started off interning um, for uh, NASA uh, when I was in high school, and that was my first professional experience. Um, and I was kind of um, thirsty to do more professional experiences. And so after my freshman year in college, I worked for a mutual fund company out of my hometown. Um, and then the following two summers, I interned on the Hill. Um, and after working for Congressman J.C. Watts and um, the Speaker of the House, you know, uh, I learned that actually I, I like doing the work in politics, um, but I also like doing business. And so, um, but all of that curiosity and uh, um, uh, opportunity all started when I was an undergrad and even, you know, my, my own final years in high school. And I think that for any young people, you know, you're never too young to get started. And, uh, um, and getting started early, you get an opportunity to kind of know what you like and what you don't like and be able to take those opportunities towards something that may be on your life's path. So that's what happened to me in undergrad. Hi, can you tell us about some of the roadblocks you faced as you really had this this desire to help low-income families? What were some of the roadblocks you faced to get to where you are now? Sure. So I'm a conservative. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't grow up in a conservative household. You know, um, my family um, have has traditionally voted Democrat, and so when I became a Republican, um, and I went to a historically black college and university. Um, there was a roadblock in that there was no real familiarity with um, anyone that uh, was conservative. <laughs> they were not familiar with it at all. Um, so that was a roadblock because sometimes um, when people identify themselves as progressive, conservative, or Democrat or Republican, sometimes people ears close instantly if they disagree with the politics. And so... Uh, it was a roadblock, but I, I was able to kind of use it as an opportunity um, to uh, use my um, authenticity from actually being from the community and um, also spending time with conservatives to educate people. Um, and it um, showed progress. Um, and it led to some of the skills that I have today, which is, I think, listening skills and being able to build relationships um, um, cross party or across ideological lens, because in the listening portion of what I do with people is I try to find where are those areas of common ground, and then when we when we have that common ground, I aggressively try to work towards figuring out how we can collectively work together to solve issues. And so um, a methodology that I wrote about in the book um, talks about um, being intentional, building trust, forming partnerships creating um, outcomes, and then studying what works. And so um, that's the methodology that I currently use, and it's worked wonders when dealing with roadblocks. Can you give us a brief outline of Lincoln's plan for Reconstruction and how that has informed what you wrote about? So more so with Lincoln, um, and we talk about Lincoln's vision more so than his plan, um, and that's why it's called Harnessing Lincoln's vision for Reconstruction. I think his vision was focused on the economic empowerment of former slaves, economic empowerment of, um, of, of low-income um, white Americans that are in the South and the rural areas. You know, Lincoln had grown up on a prairie 
and was self-educated. And so he he came from an underserved background. And as a result of it, when he became president, his North Star was to help empower people economically. And he was being very intentional about making that happen by thinking of a grand plan post-Civil War um, called Reconstruction that would focus on the empowerment of those two communities. Unfortunately, he got assassinated, as you know, um, before that plan was ever etched in stone. And his vice president candidate did not have that North Star. And um, as a result of it, uh, would end up being incubated post Andrew Johnson's administration was Jim Crow in the South and pitting poor blacks against poor whites. And some of that history um, emerged on into the 19th and 20th century. Um, and we're still kind of um, trying to rebuild America to bring us back closer together from some of the um, vestiges of that um, uh, post-Civil War activity. Um, but uh, we focused on the vision because in the Trump administration, uh, we did something similar in that we had a specific focus on forgotten communities and uh, um, being very intentional about empowering those communities. And so the book is a playbook for any writer-centered candidate um, for office to be very intentional about the issues that are underserved. And at the same time, educating my friends who are left and center that um, folks on the right aren't just, you know, they, they, are, they are also individuals that care about um, the underserved. And we should make these issues nonpartisan and more, more importantly, sustainable. So that, like anyone, um, all Americans can have access to the American dream. You mentioned in the last chapter those steps that you even said personally have helped you overcome roadblocks. How do you think those can be applied to some practical steps forward that will affect change for lower-income families? Well, everything's about trust. And uh, in the generation we live in now, um, social media um, and the the history uh, behind different organizations— there's a lot of mistrust of government programs and mistrust of institutions. And so a practical way, um, as I mentioned before with listening, is convening people and meeting with people on the other side, not to like necessarily sell someone on anything, but to, to learn more and build common ground. Um, and you only do that by being able to listen, listen and build a relationship. Um, and out of that is where the trust is developed. But if you're intentionally kind of, because there's a lot of different issues all happening at once, you know, whether you're talking about public safety, the rise in crime or um, mental health, um, addiction, you know, trauma-informed care or, you know, access to capital to start a business or access to a job or access to great education, you know, um, all different aspects um, which require unique solutions. And so depending on, um, as an individual, uh, what are those outcomes that you're seeking to solve um, um, those solutions that you, you're seeking to um, put forward to solve what problem, you know, lead with that, with that end in mind. Um, but also know that if you're trying to build something out, um, that you need the right partnerships. And in order to get the right partnerships, you have to build trust. And you do that through listening to people um, and getting to learn, you know, what are the things you all have in common and how we can best work together. What would you say is something that the American people can be doing? You mentioned that this book is like a playbook for those in office. What can we do as Americans to help in the same direction? So all politics is local. 
Um, and so in order for us to kind of get to where we want as a country, we have to work together. You know, that's the uh, everything from the federal government, state government, local government, to churches, to um, businesses, to individuals who live in that communities. And uh, collectively, we all need to play our part. And so if it's education that you're trying to do or public safety, there's all different things that any individual would do to contribute to kind of make communities better. It's figuring out what are the um, skills and what are the capabilities that you have as an individual that can help us become a more perfect union. And as you lean into those capabilities, you know, um, you'll find exactly how you can play a role. But it's first being intentional about wanting to solve some of these problems and figuring out what skills and capabilities you can offer to make the country a better place. Along the same vein, as a college student and thinking about my future career, what advice would you give to college students who are looking to kind of get maybe into the politics field or um, and, and have like a vision in mind of what they want to help with in the conservative realm? What what advice would you have for college students? Well, that's the same advice that was given to me when I was debating rather to change my major from finance to um, political science is that um, there's so many people in the political world that major on the politics and not um, on uh, capabilities or industries or um, skills. Um, Because, you know, no matter what issue you're talking about, it usually um, involves um, skills outside of, like, um, basic politics. Rather, it's working in the financial services industry, healthcare industry. You know, all of these issues um, drive into politics. And so for a young person... Um, I would always encourage them to um, figure out uh, what, what, is, what is your base industry or base skill set where you can really offer to the debate and offer some real experience, some real practical experience um, that the government needs. Because we live in a representative government, um, and so it's more so better to represent um, interest from something that you have a real skill set in um, uh, rather than you know your kind of lifetime um, politician, you know, um, you want to be someone who has some real world practical experience. And so, um, before getting into politics, I think it's a good idea to get some of that experience first, um, because it'll teach you, um, because in our, our country, you know, you, unless you're in Washington, D.C., you know, there's some people who go for it and don't even think about politics because they're focused on like feeding their families and um, doing the best at their job. And so, um, for our political, um, people, you know, I think it's always great to have that experience um, doing something that actually grows the community and that's practical, um, such as business or, you know, doing something in the healthcare arena, you know, or, or trade, you know, learn some of those things so you can understand that, like, when you step into these political leadership positions, it's not about the politics, it's about the people and how we can help all Americans um, accomplish their American dreams. Closing out, where can people find your book? So you can go to underservedbook.com. That's underservedbook.com. Or you can just um, search um, underserved um, on any Amazon platform and be able to find it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mr. Smith. We really enjoyed having you today. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.